So this is what the Lord, so this is Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Don't decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Can you imagine that? Pray for peace and prosperity into the city you don't want to be in right now. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. How many of us have been in low places and there's been some people who have been feeding lies to us in those places that are giving us false hope, completely taking us away from what the Lord is actually asking us to do in that season and in that, in that place in our lives. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So right before this celebratory verse, he says in 70 years, I'm going to fulfill this. But don't worry, there's hope. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me when you, and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. It's a lot to read, and we are going to go through it today, and we are going to understand a little bit more about this, this uh, series of verses. But it's so important to understand that this verse of hope is coming in a place when people are at one of their lowest points. When a group of people who are so confused by what God is doing, who have lost dreams they can't understand, they're kind of in a holding pattern, just waiting for God to show up and release them, and they don't know what to do with themselves. You see... As a kid, I'm, like I said earlier, I was a huge dreamer. I was that weird kid that would sit in their closet and just hope that the back of it would turn into like a screen that I could go through and that it would take me to like a land where I could fly and there'd be lots of bubble gum everywhere. I had a weird obsession with bubble gum as a little kid. So I was always dreaming, um, and I have great parents who always encouraged my dreams. My brother would be like, Mom, she's doing it again. Uh, but, my <laughs> but my parents would be like, let her be. This is who she is. We don't know where she came from. Um, <laughs> but I was always that kid. I was always the kid dreaming things up. And then, I, you know, as I got a little more grounded as a fourth or fifth grader, I stopped hiding in my closet, and I started dreaming about just designing anything around me. You know, I would design everything. I would get home from school, do my homework. Uh, I would bring out my Legos and I would start building Lego houses. Or I would go upstairs and I would start cutting fabric from clothes that were mine. And I would start making <laughs> clothing for my dolls. And I would staple the clothes together. And I remember my mom, like, watching me do this a lot. And she'd be like, I'll teach you how to sew so you stop ripping all of your dolls. Because uh, the staples would get stuck as I was changing them and everything. So she taught me how to sew. And I remember, like just being so excited that I knew how to make clothes, and I asked her if I could make my Easter outfit. No, I do not have a picture of this, but I did succeed 
in making my Easter outfit. Uh, it was purple plaid. We went to the fabric store. She let me pick it out, and she showed me how to create my very own garment. It was a tank top and a skirt, and it had like a flap, and I remember wearing it so confidently to Easter that year, and I was thinking back to it now, and I, I do have pictures of it, but I was not sharing them today. Um, <laughs> I was thinking like, wow, I really wish you would have just told me that I could put my energy into other things. Um, but she didn't because she let me continue to dream. And it's because of those moments where my dreams were never stifled and my desires and my hopes and, and my like excitement, because in those moments I was never shut down, I was able to continue to dream. And I was always able to think about whatever it was that I wanted to do. As I got into high school, I decided that I was definitely gonna go into the design world. I was obviously extremely successful so far. So I was gonna go into the design world. I knew it was gonna either be the fashion industry or architecture or interior design. I was like, it's definitely one of those things, not 100% sure which one, uh, but I'm gonna do it. And I remember there being so much fear in that moment. And I remember it was kind of my first dose of reality of like, maybe dreaming needs to be a little bit more grounded. Maybe dreaming needs to be kind of a little bit more level-headed and logical. And I started thinking about going into the thing that would be most logical, right? And it was because of my past experiences with at least my dreams that I was able to say, no, I'm just gonna shoot for the stars, I'm gonna do this. And I ended up going to school for architecture, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I'm still doing stuff that has to do with it. But today what I ask you is this, at what point did your dreams get stifled? At what point did you have this realization that things might not go as they seem, right? It's like a child who experiences shame for the first time, right? It's a, it's a three or four year old who, who comes to you and has to lie because they feel ashamed of what they've done, right? Or, or a, a toddler who comes over and they realize that they did something wrong and they, they kind of shy away and they go hide, right? It's that first experience with something that was other than perfect, right? So today I challenge you in that question of, at what point did you feel that maybe a dream was ever sucked out of you? That a dream was robbed from you? That maybe you stopped dreaming altogether? Because I do believe there are people in this room who think that dreaming is stupid. People who think that dreaming is for people who keep their heads in the clouds. That dreaming is for kids who sit in their closet and imagine a faraway world. That dreaming is an escape. But my first point today is dreams are a vital part in promoting a hopeful and motivated heart. Dreams are a vital part in promoting a hopeful and motivated heart. I believe there's three different types of people. Those who are crazy dreamers, those who have no idea how to dream because they've never been taught, and those who are so afraid of dreaming because failure just seems too daunting. We've all been one of those people, or maybe all of those people, maybe in the same day. But I challenge you today to think about the current state of your life and figure out who you are in that. I'm going to speak to the dreamers in the room. If you are a dreamer, please go encourage others to dream. Don't hold it for yourself and don't be discouraged by the cynicism that's around you sometimes. Go continue to encourage because those people need it more than you think they do. If you're someone who's never been taught how to dream because maybe you didn't have parents that encouraged your dreams. Maybe they were much more logical and told you to go get a job where you're going to make money. I encourage you today to listen to what I'm about to say because God wants you to be a dreamer because you're his child first. And if you're so afraid of dreaming because you're afraid of failing, let me explain something to you that if we're walking in God's grace, there's no such thing as failure because he carries us through. I'm a huge fan of um, C.S. Lewis. 
He writes some really great stuff. Uh, if you read it, read it slow. You have to digest it. It's not one of those things where you just want to plow through. Um, but have, has anybody heard of Screw Tape Letters? Anybody read that book or seen it? It was on an off-Broadway production at some point. And the Screw Tape Letters is really an interesting perspective. What it is, it's, it's the enemy speaking to a minion, basically someone who, to an enemy he's in training, so to say, right? So let's think about Satan training up a minion, a little demon, right? And he's saying we have to get them. And he's in pursuit of God's people. He wants to ruin them. He wants to suck the life out of them. He wants them to be able to uh, not dream, to not hope for things. He wants to keep them right here in the middle. In the, in the book, he talks about how, like, if we could keep people in a complacent place, they won't seek God because they're okay with where they're at. But it's in those low parts and in those high parts where they seem to have him a lot, so we have to keep them right here. And people who don't dream live right here because they get up, they go through their routine, they get up, they go through their routine. There's not much more to it. But that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be because we are no threat at that point. And we have no prospect of getting closer to the Lord. So we're going to read a part of this. It's an excerpt. And I'm, I'm going to have them put it up on the screen so you can try to uh, read it along with me. Ready? Okay. Now it may surprise you. So now let's just remember this before I go into this. Remember, this is Satan speaking to a minion. Now it may surprise you to learn that in his efforts to get permanent possession of a soul... God relies on the troughs even more than the peaks. Some of his special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. It is during the trough period, much more than during the, period, during the peak periods, that it is growing into a sort of creature he wants it to be, referring to us. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand, and if only the will to walk is really there, he is pleased even with their stumbles. It's crazy for me to read this and think about that, right? Like, we, we understand the enemy. We understand that there's a pursuit for our lives. It's kind of like Christianity 101, that there's always a counter, uh, a counter person trying to steal joy, seek, kill, and destroy. We get it, right? But we don't realize that in those moments where we get excited about something and maybe there's a dream that pops into our hearts, and then five seconds later we figure out the 10 million reasons why we can't do that, that that was one of those minions there just waiting for us waiting for us to have a moment of hope, waiting for us to have a moment where we could be excited about something. And he's waiting there just to steal it right from us. See, we're quick to protect things like our hearts when we're stepping into relationships, when we're stepping into a job, right? We're real, we know those are the big things, right? We're going to protect that. We're going to lay that before the Lord. We're going to continue to put it before him in a way where we are abandoned and we don't care. Like, we can do that because we know that. But what we don't realize is that even in those little moments where we're excited about something and then five seconds later we're deflated about it, those are moments that are worth protecting as well. Because it's in those moments that we're able to actually come up with something that is going to promote just a little bit of hope inside of us. As I've worked in both the design industry for several years and now as a teacher for the last five years, there's, two, there's one thing that doesn't change no matter which part of the, the world that I'm working in. And that is that people's stories don't make me sad. The things that they've been through don't make me sad. I've been through so much. If we ever have nine years, I'll tell you everything. 
but it's the very thing that sucks the life out of them that makes me sad. It's, it's talking to people who have no dreams and just tell me they get up and go to work every day. That makes me sad. I don't have it all figured out. I have tons of things that I have to work on. I have tons of moments where I have these crazy lofty dreams and I, I think to myself, like, you are insane. Why are you even thinking about this, right? So I'm not coming from a place of I have this figured out. I'm coming from a place of I'm actually currently walking through this right now. For the last several months, my husband and I have been going through a really interesting time in our life. It has seemed lower than probably any other point. We're so good, surprisingly so strong because the Lord is so sufficient. But external things have been bringing us to a place that is so deep and so hard to navigate. And in those moments, they have completely sucked the life out of me in moments where I thought maybe everything I've hoped for is now going to be taken from me. Everything that I've dreamed for probably can't happen because of my current situation. Everything that I wanted is not going to come to fruition now. And then I remember the little girl in the closet and I say to myself, no, you're the dreamer. You know how to dream. And you know that in the midst of a low, that the Lord is with you and he is going to carry you through this, and he's going to spring forth newness, and he's in the midst of doing something so fresh. Don't lose focus, Ange, don't lose focus. There's so much more right now. Don't lose focus. In this time, instead of being the person that's up there, being the big crazy dreamer, you wanna know what the Lord has taught me? He's taught me to get up in front of people and tell them it's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay that today I'm not okay. It's okay that right now my current situation doesn't look very hopeful, but my God is really hopeful. So I don't have to stand on my situation or my circumstances, but I can stand on my God because that is a platform worth standing on. That is a platform that's not shaken. Something that has been the truest statement is my second point for today. It's been the truest thing for my marriage, and it says, the very thing that felt like it was drowning you is the very thing bringing a baptism of newness into your life. The very thing that you thought was going to overcome you, the very thing that you thought was going to take you out is the very thing stripping all of the dirt and the grime and the anger and the resentment and the bitterness that's holding onto you right inside of you. The Lord is bringing you to a baptism of newness because he wants you to be new. He has not called us to drag through life with all of this stuff on us. He has not called us to be a people that is run down by the circumstances around us. No, he says, come into my waters, be washed by me, be cleansed by me. I didn't ask you to carry this, I asked you to give it to me. For the last five years, my, my dream and I believe that we have different dreams for different seasons. I don't believe that you wake up at six years old and you have this. If, if, if we kept our dreams from when we were six years old, I would be flying in a bubblegum world right now, right? <laughs> I wouldn't be doing much good for the world. But I believe in different seasons, the Lord puts different dreams on our hearts because he's called us to do different things for different people in different places. And in this season of life, the Lord has called me to change the design world in any way that I can. Now, you might say to me, okay, yeah, no, she is crazy because the design world is quite big. It's quite global. There's a lot that goes on in the design world. And you, you might say, how do you even plan on doing that? And it's funny because I ask myself that every day when I wake up. 
How do I plan on doing this? And I, I really have no other idea other than being faithful. You see, I didn't decide that I was going to go change the design world and leave corporate architecture and go teach in a classroom at a small high school because I thought it would be really cool to get my name on something. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to do something bigger with my gifts. And being, going bigger sometimes means going to bigger companies, and sometimes it means taking a step back and getting under people. So what I've been doing for the last five years is waking up every morning at 5.30, getting up, going and getting my coffee, going to my classroom, getting ready, teaching a high-level design course that's only offered at 7 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock in the morning. And I get to teach like five or six different design disciplines. I get to teach architecture, fashion, interior design, photography, graphic design, and music. All things that from six years old on have always been little passions and dreams in my life. And in this small little classroom at Roosevelt Park High School, I get to fulfill every single one of them at 7 o'clock in the morning every day. You see, I'm not changing the design world by calling up the big executives of every design branch and saying, hey, this is what's wrong with your industry. This is what you need to do. I'm not going out there and making a big scene about it. I'm not doing anything. What I'm doing is I'm getting up every morning at 5.30 in the morning and I'm walking into my classroom and I'm teaching a kid how to draw a line in AutoCAD. I'm teaching a kid how to hold a camera the right way. I'm teaching them the rule of thirds, which is something that maybe anybody who's ever held a camera would know, but this kid does not know that. And you might say, Ange, how are you going to change the world by showing a kid how to make a line? Well, I did it because I woke up every morning. And five years later, I have students doing things at firms that they shouldn't have been doing. I have students who are sitting here leading worship for you this morning and worship on Friday nights who have won national titles. I have students who shouldn't have gotten into programs because of where they were coming from but got in anyway. I have students who shouldn't have gone to college but are going to college with full scholarships or half scholarships because God is good. I have students who are working for famous architects archiving their, their whole warehouse right now. What is going on? This is not me. This is the Lord. This is because I woke up at 5.30 every morning. You see, what happens is this. Those stories did not happen just because I woke up. It's because those kids woke up too. It's because my job was not just to teach a line. My job was to come in and instill passion inside of their hearts, to teach them that life is bigger than you going and making a paycheck. Every year, the first thing I do is I hand a survey out to all my students. I say, if there's one thing you could do for the rest of your life, what would it be? I, get, I tell you, 75% of the kids write down, make money, be a billionaire, be a famous person who makes a lot of money. And the first thing on the second day that I say to all of them is, hey guys, money is not a dream. Money might help you get to your dreams. Money might be a byproduct of your dreams, but money is not a dream. So I'm going to hand the survey back out and I want you to think about what your dream is. And no, sleeping is not a dream either. <laughs> so I can't even tell you how many times I write that. And I remember specifically I had this one student who wrote down that they don't have dreams. And I pulled them aside and I said, hey, I know that you wrote you don't have dreams and that's okay because maybe no one ever taught you how to dream. But I want you to tell me what your favorite thing to do ever. Like if I just gave you a million dollars today, what would it be? What would your favorite thing to do? And he said what it would be. And then I said, okay, so now if you could look at that thing that you love to do, right? And you could find a job in that field, what would it be? And he said, oh, I think it would be this. And I said, okay, guess what you just did? You dreamed. 
and that's all I asked for. I just want you to dream. So next time you don't know what you, can, what you should be dreaming about, next time you don't know what it is that God is trying to do inside of your heart, next time you don't know what it is that the plan for your life is, I want you to take a physical step back and I want you to ask yourself, okay, what, if I had a million dollars, what would it be? What would I want to do? Because let me tell you something. God does not look at our bank accounts when he puts dreams inside of our hearts. God does not look at our capabilities when he puts dreams inside of our hearts. I cannot sew a garment. I cannot write a full song. I do not know what the key of C sounds like by one strum like some of these guys do here. But guess what? I'm leading all these teams because he does not put me in a position where I would fall. He put me in a position and equipped me to lead kids in a way where I knew I would because my passion would never let me down. My desire to be there would never let me down. And now I'm watching all of these kids thrive, not like I said, not because of what I did, but because of the faithfulness of both myself and because of the passion and faithfulness that then they put forward. My final point today is dream big dreams and walk out the process. Dream big dreams and walk out the process. Unfortunately, we live in a time where people just dream big dreams. Three days later, they don't happen, and we forget about them. Unfortunately, we live in a generation where we're waiting for our video to go viral, or we're waiting for one person to notice us and make us famous. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that will glorify the 5.30 a.m. wake-up call to go change our particular company to go change the people around us. Dream big dreams and walk out the process. We can't have one without the other. We can't dream big dreams and then just expect them to happen. We have to dream big dreams and then expect the process. You see, the valleys of life rob us of our dreams. But the Lord wants to use those valleys in order to take our hand and walk us slowly up to where he wants us. See, but what we do in the valleys far too often is we beg God to get, them out of, to get us out of it. God, if you could just get me out of this valley, then I'll be so much better. And then I'll just be, I'll, I'll be so much more like powerful for you. And I'll be so much more effective for you if I wasn't feeling so bad all the time. You know, we, we sit there and we negotiate with him. Like maybe if I just wasn't sitting down here, God, I would have been able to get up for church today. You know? And what God is saying is, no, no, I, I placed you there just like I, I placed my, my people from Judah in exile for seven years. I placed you here because I had stuff that I wanted to teach you. I didn't ask you to just sit around and wait for life to happen to you. I asked you to do something. I asked you to build a life there. So you, wait, so God, in this valley, you want me to build a life here? You want me to get comfortable in the uncomfortable? Are you kidding me? And he's saying, yes, it's exactly what I want. Because when you're comfortable, you forget about me. So if I can keep you in this place where you're uncomfortable and you constantly need your father's hand, then perhaps you'll listen to me more often and we could get a little bit further and you won't be living this mundane life where you wake up, rinse, repeat, wake up, rinse, repeat, right? Like we don't need to live lives like that because we're Christians and we know uh, our father in heaven. We know this, this amazing father, this king that's up in heaven that is, is giving us everything we could possibly need to get through every single day, but yet we strive for normality. It's funny because when I, I married my husband, I, I said to him, I was like, I just want you to know, and I bet he regrets uh, agreeing to this that now, but I said, I said, I want you to know that I know since a little girl that I'm not called to live a normal life. <laughs> that was my father. 
(laughs) It's true. I knew from a little girl that I was not called to live a normal life. I knew that God had something different for me. And that's not putting me above anybody. Please don't hear it that way. It's me saying that I know that my life of normality was going to be weird. It was going to be what other people didn't understand. It was going to be challenged. People were going to question us all the time. And I said, if you want to marry me, you have to understand that I am now inviting you into this. And he looked, oh, yeah, of course, I love you so much. (laughs) Five years later, I can't tell you how many arguments we've had where he's like, can you just be more normal? And I'm like, listen, you signed up. I literally, literally the worst line you could say to me right now because I told you. But truth is, I'm I'm not supposed to be normal, and neither are you. We're Christians. We're not supposed to live a normal life. Yes, from the outside in, I I could look like a teacher that gets up every morning and has my summers off and sits on a beach and enjoys my summer and this, this, and that. It's not the reality. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But from the outside looking in is very different from the inside looking out. My life is anything but normal. The impact that I've been able to and privileged enough to have on some of these kids' lives made my job not normal. I don't consider myself a normal teacher. I think if you asked any of the students that are in here today, uh, because I have some students here from my class here today, um, if you asked them if I was normal, their response would be, resounding no. (laughs) Worship team, you can join me. So in my closing today, my challenge to you is this. What, is, what are your dreams and who has robbed them from you? What has stolen your dreams? What has stolen your passion? Do you get up and dream every morning or do you have trouble doing so? Do you feel like it's even possible to go out there and dream anymore? Has nobody ever taught you to dream? And if so, I'm so sorry that you never got taught that lesson. But I'm here today to tell you that there's a God in heaven who wants to teach it to you. Do we understand that if our parents have failed us in areas, if teachers have failed us in areas, that there's a God in heaven who's there to fill in all of those voids, that we shouldn't be looking to man either way to fill those voids for us? That God is there saying, hey, I'm I'm here. I was just waiting for you. And I was going to keep you in this place of exile until you were able to hear me a little bit better. Until you were able to live here and be comfortable in your uncomfortability. Until you were able to, to understand that the valleys of life are not so bad, right? You see, what happens is when things start to feel a little bit more normal, we're actually climbing up the mountain holding the Lord's hand. And we're going to hit that peak. And how many of you guys know that when we hit a peak, that doesn't mean that's where we live forever? We're gonna go up and we're gonna go down and we're gonna go up and we're gonna go down. We're gonna have all of these moments in life. But why is it that we keep striving for this point up here? It's why so many famous people end up in such despair. It's because they sought after this one thing for so long and when they got there, it wasn't what they thought it would be. The money wasn't enough, the fame wasn't enough, it wasn't what they wanted it to be. But if you get to that point and then you understand that there's so much more beyond it, that's when we start changing industries. That's when we start changing the world around us because we understand that our goal is not to get a job at the biggest firm. Our goal is to go and make a difference at the biggest firm if God opens that door for us to be there. My job, my goal in life was not to go and be a teacher. My job was, uh, my goal was to get a job where I could go change kids' lives and, and go hopefully make a difference in the design industry. 
We have to set our sights on things that are bigger than money. We have to set our sights on things that are bigger than the things that are right in front of us, right? If, we're, if our dream right now is peace, I ask that you pray for that today because that's a dream for some of us. Some of us have been living in such chaos that peace is the only thing that we dream for right now. I encourage you to ask God for that because he's gonna give it to you. And then he's gonna give you more once you reach that peak. He's gonna say, now I gave you peace. Now I wanna give you more. Start dreaming again, kid. Because see, we forget that even if we are 60 years old, we are still a child of the King. We are still a child. Parents in this room, if I may speak to you as a child, keep dreaming because your kids need to know that when they are 40, 50, 60 years old, that it's okay to keep dreaming. So many parents tell me that I, I did what I did for my kids and now they're older. No, you're still a kid. God still wants you to do something. He has not stopped because your kids have grown. Good job. I'm proud of you for what you did for your children. But guess what? As a child, he has more. Your father is not finished. Keep dreaming. We need it. As a 31-year-old, I stand here desperately asking all of the adults in the room to please keep dreaming because it makes it so difficult to grow up and try to keep dreaming and be called crazy when I have nobody around me dreaming. Wake up. The Lord is telling you to wake up. He is tired of generations dying in the monotony of their days. He is tired of people waking up and being okay with complacency. He is asking us to go change whatever world we're in, but we have to dream for it first. As we close today, we're gonna go back into the song that Sabrina was singing before we started. And I want you to listen to the words where it says that he is the same in the valleys. He is the same in the shadows. He is the same when there's a mountain clearing. He is the same when there's a mountain in my way. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. He is not changing on us, which means our dreams are still valid. So that little kid inside of you, the little girl inside of me that allows me to keep dreaming, I ask you today as we worship, stand up, close your eyes and ask God to show you that person. Ask God to reveal to you the little thing inside of you that might have died because he wants to revive that inside of you. He does not want you to be a dreamless people. He wants us to seek more. I have everybody stand and I'm just going to pray for us before we start worshiping. If you need prayer today, if we have our prayer people, you can come on up. If you need prayer today and you feel like you're one of the people that I spoke of, if you're, if you're a dreamer and you don't know how to go encourage other people, come up. If you need prayer in any way, shape, or form, come up for prayer. But I do ask and challenge you to close your eyes for a second and ask the Lord what it is he wants you to dream about because it's so important. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for every person in here. God, I pray for big dreams. And I pray that we don't have unrealistic expectations of those dreams, but rather we understand that when we ask for big things, you ask for big motion from us. God, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid of the motion that you are calling us to walk in. God, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid of the trials that come up against us when we dream big dreams. God, that we wouldn't fear the things that are going to come up against us as we walk out the process, God, because it is scary, but it's not scary when we understand that you are right there holding our hands. God, I pray that in the lows, I pray that in the highs, 
eyes and right in the middle that we never lose focus on who you are and what it is that you're trying to do in our lives. God, you are so powerful. God, you have more. God, you have so much more for your people. You have not stopped. You will not stop. God, whether we are five, six, or 60, God, you have so much for us. God, I pray that we would never quit. God, I pray that we would never give up.